Thanks for tuning in to the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Carter. What does synchronous learning, designing apps for the App Store, and creating a collaborative learning network all have in common? The answer? CHCA student Connor Espenshade. Connor will be my guest today on the podcast, and he is currently a sophomore at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. Joining me on the phone today is Connor Espenshade. Connor is a current sophomore at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. Connor, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, Connor, you are, as is pretty much the rest of the students at Cincinnati Hills, currently involved in remote learning. But from what I understand, your history with online education goes back well before the COVID-19 kind of kept everyone at home on Zoom. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with online education? Yeah, sure. Um, I've taken several classes the past few years um, through a outside online school um, where they also do synchronous learning. So it's not just um, doing assignments on your own and then submitting them, but it is actually, you know, meeting in classes. And so it's been really interesting for me to um, see not just CCA, but news articles about other stories, about other places um, that all show different adaptations of this idea of remote learning and what that means. Um, certain schools, the one I um, attend outside of CCA, is built on the premise of online learning. So, so it does work a little differently, and they're used to using certain bits of online education as an advantage. Case in point, um, the text chat isn't something that I, I see a lot of people using, kind of coming over from brick and mortar schools, but online schools use them extensively as ways to ask questions while people are talking and then in, instead of sitting there raising your hand for the entire time. So it's just like kind of nuances um, that just come with being accustomed to online learning more and more. And I think what you find is that if you use online learning to its advantage, particularly the fact that you have limited class time, because instead of meeting for 45 minutes every day, now you're meeting for 90 minutes every other day. If you use that to its advantage um, and don't take it for granted, you can actually get some really amazing um, things to come out of classes, particularly um, like all my classes there are primarily discussion sections. Um, so we do the readings going into class, we would write something going into class, and then the entire class period is just devoted to us exchanging ideas. What do you use for those online discussions with this other program? It's done through, they use Adobe Connect, which is, it's basically a more amped up version of Zoom that's more like structured. It's less reliable in my opinion, like the amount of times I've gotten kicked, but it is more structured for online learning in the sense that uh, you know, there's a PowerPoint slide deck, there's a text chat that's more prominent, like different things, like it's just subtle differences. And there's also like bigger uh, security features involved. So like you can't get in the room without logging into the school account. But it virtually does the same thing in the case where we are all live on camera um, at the same time um, for most classes. And yeah, it's just, it's the biggest part about these classes is it's a dialogue. And so I think it's actually been really interesting seeing brick and mortar schools having to switch over to that um, style and figuring out, okay, what works 
from a normal brick and mortar school. What can we just bring over and use that's not different? And then, of course, the question is, what other ways can we involve students in classes? I know something big is, you know, tests and exams. How do we write them in a way that, you know, we're seeing this with the college board this year, where the college board has to do with the fact that they have to make open note exams. Because if they don't, they know people will cheat. And so rewriting those exams in a way that works with open notes, so it's less about memorization, but more about application. I think that's something generally you find as you get older as well, that you know, when you're in grade school, you do primarily a bunch of memorization. But as you grow older, you learn to apply those concepts in different ways and write creative essays or, and write analytical essays. And, and so I think that shift away from, okay, here's what we've always been doing. Now let's reevaluate what we've always been doing will actually be something that's really good. I know uh, my online jazz ensemble, it, you know, it's different. We can't play as a group, and we're not going to have a final concert this year. But we've taken a lot of time talking about what music is and how to practice right and what other jazz bands do right that we should adopt. And so it's, it's taking advantage of this time, I think, and taking advantage of the fact that we're online, not looking to just move what we already had, but kind of redesigning education for this new online space that I think will make it particularly interesting. So Connor, you are obviously you know pretty involved with technology. When I first met you, you were in eighth grade and had already really kind of looked into designing apps and various things through Apple. And it was because of that that I first approached you to look at designing an app for what was then our smoothie bar and then turned into really kind of an app for both our smoothie bar and coffee bar. So I'm curious, could you tell us a little bit about your experience with app design, what that process was like, and how you really got into that in the first place? Yeah, so I always wanted to be able to create something, right? That's what I've always wanted to do, whether it's more scientific research now, or then computer science, I, I always wanted to explore different ways of creating something. And so I viewed computer science as a way um, to create something that didn't require any expenses and that, you know, was very accessible. And I think that's really great about computer science. As long as you have access to a computer and the internet, I realize many people do not, and I think that's a separate issue. Um, there's nothing stopping you. Like, I learned primarily on YouTube. I haven't taken a CS class uh, yet to this day, but you know that's the beauty of the internet and the world we live in, especially as this kind of goes with what we talked about remote learning. Like, There's nothing stopping you from learning many more things now than we could have before. And so I got started primarily on that motivation. I want to build something. And so I went to YouTube, different websites, and learned the Swift programming language, which is a really simple language uh, to learn, but it's really fast, and it is the engine behind iOS, iPhone, iPad app development. I've also always had a quest to uh, find different people like me, and so that's always been something I've been finding for my life, very much an extrovert, um, and I always like finding different people. And so I made the trip out in 2017 to Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference in California, where I got to interact with the technology quite a bit. I got to meet with engineers about the directions my app was going, and I got to meet other people. And so my first project, it's never been published because we realized halfway through the project, Apple had a patent on it, which I highly recommend you do a patent search before 
starting a project, but this is the stuff you <laughs> this is the stuff you learn while uh, sure to create things. So it was actually a good experience. I'm glad we built it. So it was actually a um, I did it remotely. This is again an example uh, with a friend in North Carolina, and we built a very very much a prototype, but basically of an app that would offer augmented reality direction. So we're seeing this now with Google. Uh, we actually built this back in 2017, uh, but we're seeing Google now roll this out in their apps, and I'm sure Apple will roll it out at some point in the future, considering they have a patent on it. Um, but yeah, so that was my first experience. Was I got to work with someone else on a crazy project that I always wanted to see. I always thought it would be really simple if the phone just put the put a line over where you were supposed to go. And so actually getting to build that and seeing it work. Also, this was around the time that I first saw math as something different. I kind of always just viewed math as another subject, but that wasn't wholly applicable. And so this was the first time, like, wait, this is literally, I think it was like the unit circle that we used to like put the points um, in space. And that was the first one. I was like, wait, math is actually really interesting, and it can be used fundamentally in real life. And so, yeah, that was definitely a good experience. So from that point, then you approached me about the possibility of building an app. Very much happy for that because it provided me an opportunity. The hardest part, when, when you're building an app, you get this rush of, okay, yeah, it's fun. I'm doing the fun stuff. And then you get to like the 80% of the way done mark. And now you have to build in the search bars. Now you have to build in the navigation and the stuff that you've done a thousand times before. And so it was... It was fantastic having a final goal in mind where it actually pushed through that last 20%. And I think that's applicable to whatever you're working on. If you're working on a paper, that hardest bit is, well, it's written, but it just I don't want to revise it. I just want to submit it. And so just that experience of, no, you're actually publishing something. It actually needs to be good. And so working through that last 20%, I think, is actually a very valuable lesson, both in entrepreneurship, any type of problem solving. You de- that's, that's a life lesson right there, for sure. Well, when this when this app was uh, when, when this app was finished, I mean, basically, what you had was an online ordering tool. And so, for those who haven't seen this, you can actually view this app on the App Store currently under the Leaning Eagle. And it, within the app, you can actually go and see the full list of drinks available and order the drink online, pay via Apple Pay, pay in cash at the coffee bar. But one cool feature that you added this year uh, that really makes the coffee bar unique is a delivery option. So uh, tell us about about that. How did you how did you create that function, or or you know even that kind of idea or mentality that you can be sitting anywhere in the school, the high school at least for now, and order a drink, assuming the teacher has approved the delivery for the room, and then that drink will get delivered to the room. Yeah, that was actually one of the easiest things to implement. So it was a, it was a great idea because we wanted to increase traffic um, to the coffee bar. But that kind of goes to this idea of using what you already have um, towards your advantage. So this this rolled out in, I think, a uh, 3.0 release update. In the first version, and this has existed in each version of the app, there was many complex relationships between your phone, the credit card, the company we use to scan your credit card, the server payload we use to transfer the information, uh, Amazon Web Services, to say, yep, you ordered a smoothie. How do we, you know, charge the credit card? And then we use a different server to get it over to the iPads at the coffee bar. And so, you know, it's a very complex web, right? And it's a complex network of different tools all working together. 
And each thing does something different. So the Amazon tool is really great with cloud functions. So just we use Amazon solely to swipe the credit card and to contact the credit card company and say, yep, this is how we're going to get the Apple Pay data. It's the only thing we use it for. And that's really good because Amazon's free tier is like a million requests for free. And so you have to figure out what tools are best in your network. We use Apple's CloudKit for storing each order because this has another huge amount of storage. And it's super secure. We know that only authenticated users through their Apple ID can access it. So we know it's really encrypted and really secure. And so it's using different tools available to you to find the lowest cost and the greatest amount of features. And so then when we wanted to bring the delivery over, we actually already had a feature that talked about pickup locations. And you could pick it up you know, at either the coffee bar or the smoothie bar or the library. And so once we decided to have delivery rollout, we used an existing feature, which was you know, the Apple encrypted server, um, because we wanted to make sure you know, this data wasn't modified, that we weren't getting bogus um, locations, we wanted to make sure that it was secure, and we also wanted to make sure it fit with our existing framework. The other reason we used a server instead of just programming it into the app was so that we could change at any point what teachers wanted to allow delivery or some had a problem or if some wanted to add this feature to their own classrooms without having to update the app. Since we were using a platform we were already using, it provided a really seamless and really nice way to implement delivery uh, for the coffee bar. And I think that's the app's best feature because, yes, the pickup is great because you can put an order in and then come to the coffee bar whenever you order. You don't have to stand there and wait for um, wait for them to make your beverage. But I think delivery, the idea where you don't even have to get up, it's this idea of removing friction. I remember designing the app with the idea that, okay, how many clicks do we have to provide? So I, I try to make as many options default it as possible and make it as simple of a process for someone to go from you know, the main screen to a confirmation page in three or five touches. And so it's this idea of removing friction at all possible points. And that's both digitally in terms of removing the number of clicks and storing the default preferences to um, the physical world of bringing their product to the end user instead of having the user come to the product. Now, all of these different things you've been involved with, from your work with the you know the App Store and Apple to your experience on online education, has really kind of given you these opportunities to take on a variety of projects, probably more projects than most you know current sophomores across the nation you've been involved in. And I know that uh, one of your most recent projects is one of great interest to me, and I believe other teachers as well, which is, uh, I believe you call it the Collaborative Learning Network. So, so what is that exactly? So it's something I'm trying to start at THCA uh, to foster connection between grades and leadership from upperclassmen. Um, but particularly what it is, is it's basically a program uh, for students to meet with students about a class. And it's structured in a way that it's not just meant for those who are struggling to come get help. It's very much meant for the, the idea that it would be the normal thing to go do because um, I can tell you that there's a similar programs at various universities and it's a place to discuss essay arguments. It's a place to review for tests and quizzes. It's just this idea of 
students who have been through a class that have been nominated by a teacher, and these students aren't just nominated because they have high grades. These, these students are nominated because they participated well in the class and they're clearly passionate about the subject. And so it's just, it's just this idea that students who have gone through the class before know what it's like, know what the tests are, know how to write good papers, and have seen what that final paper should look like versus that first paper should be able to help those um, in younger grades. And like I said, it's not just meant for you know, those struggling or who need something explained. But I use a different version of it at my other institution to review my own paper comments. And to, you know, I remember the first paper of the year, I'm like, okay, I think I have a great argument. And I took it there and they ripped it, ripped it to shreds. And they said, you know, yeah, it's, it's a great start. I'm like, what do you mean it's a start? I thought I finished this. And they're like, no, you still got a long way to go. And so this was something where, like, you know, I was anticipating that what I had was good. And it wasn't. And that's okay. And it forced me to, you know, ask pointed questions in my paper about where to push further, what's missing, where are the gaps. And so that's the same kind of things we'd like to bring over to CCA, particularly the idea of creating a student-run leadership program this whole collaborative learning network would be managed by students. So obviously teachers would provide the nomination process, but from that point, it's solely student-to-student interaction. And so, like I said, we really want to provide another way for students to become leaders in the school community, and we think that this collaborative learning network uh, is a really great way to do just that. Well, it sounds like it. It sounds like you've got a lot of ideas. And one of the things that we talk about within the entrepreneurship program is this idea of real world problem solving. And what you're doing, Connor, is is just that, you know, you're looking at different things and you're finding the solutions to that. And honestly, it's just very exciting to watch. And so I just want to thank you for taking the time to to talk with me today and uh, to be the guest on the show. Well, thank you. And anyway, it's, it's very exciting to see what you're doing. So best of luck in the coming days, the coming weeks. And sounds like soon, in a couple of weeks, you'll be a junior at CHCA and I'm sure have a bunch of other projects you'll be working on then. Both looking forward to that and a bit nervous. My guest today was Connor Espenshade, sophomore high school student at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. Tune in next time for more from the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast.